Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sungai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sungai, along with the coach with the most, coming at us from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast because his favorite breakfast is a half dozen eggs and a, a couple of slices of French toast. Coach Mike Jones. Real fast before we jump into things with our guests, some show notes if you're looking for some professional wrestling in the next few days. Tonight and tomorrow, SCIW in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee for a tournament. Also tonight, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana, like usual. Midget Warrior Wrestling in Santa Rosa, California. TCW in Bradford, Tennessee. Tomorrow night. ACW in Knoxville, Tennessee, ICW in Peru, Indiana, featuring the hometown debut of Zane Paisley as ring announcer, Russell Club, where you can find me tomorrow afternoon in Caldwell, Idaho, Emerge in Columbus, Indiana, CCW in Athens, Georgia, DCCW in Anderson, Indiana, NGW in Crawfordsville, Indiana, BMFX in Lafayette, Indiana, B6 Wrestling in Owensboro, Kentucky, TCW in Liberty, Kentucky, FWF in Warsaw, Indiana, Wildside in Linwood, Washington, and PWC in Easton Vale, Georgia tomorrow. Without further ado, I want to welcome our guest for today. He is a fantastic young competitor out of the South United States. Jacob Ratliff, thank you so much for being on today. Great to have you here. Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing very well. Now, since today is your first time with us, I will lead you off with the first-timer question. How did you get into the professional wrestling business? Well, believe it or not, um, I wrestled amateur in high school. And it was my senior night, and uh, we had this big presentation. Like, we would come up to the middle of the mat, and they would ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up. I, of course, since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a professional wrestler. And that's what I said, and everyone giggled. But the coach for the other team, the Scott County team, I wrestled for Bourbon County. But the coach for the Scott County team, Ryan Huff, came up to me, and he was just like, I know the guys that run – uh, primetime wrestling which was a wrestling company i had in my uh, my town in paris kentucky primetime wrestling and he was like i know larry d i can get you in his academy and we can you know they can train you and i was i was ecstatic i was just like absolutely and they gave me the contact and they actually lived or they actually ran two minutes away from my house so I, all i had to do was walk out the door two minutes later I was in the building talking to Larry D and, you know, asked when I can train, how much it was going to be. And then next thing I know, bam, I'm in the wrestling business. 
that is a really nice way to start only having to go two minutes to get to the destination. When you started out, your story is similar to Rick Steiner's where he was invited to join pro wrestling after a sort of a demonstration on the amateur side of things. When you were doing amateur wrestling, did you sort of have it in your mind that you would eventually like to maybe go pro and do that as a living, or were you strictly focused on the amateur sport? Oh, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, off top. The only reason I even wanted to, be, to do amateur wrestling is just so I could be a better professional wrestler, because I looked up to all the amateur wrestlers that went pro, like Kurt Angle, you said Rick Steiner, uh, Vern Gagne. I, I have a deep respect for all those guys. That's who I kind of wanted to model myself after. You know, I, I feel like it was one one skill that I could have on top of just some average Joe walking in trying to be a pro wrestler that if I had that amateur background that it would help me out in the long run. I think it has. For sure, you're doing a great job from everything I've seen. Now, the first time that we crossed paths, it was at a Bob Evans seminar. I know that a lot of wrestlers out there do seminars to try to teach various aspects of the business. Some people do it as more of a meet-and-greet type of situation and answer questions on a personal level. Some people do it as almost like a training class type of situation. Some people do a combination of that. From your experiences, do you think that wrestlers taking the seminars get a lot out of them, or do you think that the seminars are largely uh, to help the person giving them make a little bit more income and maybe help the people kind of network more so than anything? I think it's a case-by-case basis. I've had some incredible seminars. Bob Evans does incredible seminars. Then I've had some seminars that weren't so great, where all they did was talk about how uh, the wrestling business sucks nowadays, and then we're going to do blow-up drills for two hours until you puke, and you're going to give me your $55. I think it really depends. And as a young pro wrestler, I guess, I would I would say sometimes you just got to take that chance. You know, you might learn something in one of the seminars that will help you for the next 10, 15 years, or however long you wrestle. Or you might you might get a crappy seminar, but it's always an experience, you know. It just depends on what you take out of it, I think, kind of deal. Agreed, and in a unrelated note, if you're in the Caldwell, Idaho area, I'm teaching a seminar on refereeing tomorrow. So, there's that. Um, you started out uh, doing some tag team wrestling, I know, early on in your career, but you've also done a lot of singles wrestling. Do you personally have a preference as far as tags versus singles? I I enjoy both, but to be honest with you, I kind of personally, I enjoy singles wrestling a lot better. Just one-on-one, man-to-man, I 
but I enjoy tag team wrestling too, so I don't want to talk bad about tag team wrestling because it can be a lot of fun. You can have some really incredible tag team matches. Like you just saw what FTR and the Briscoes have done. I think, you know, it just depends on which day you catch me. There might be a day where I'd love to get in there and have a crazy tag team match. There's there's some days where I just want a one-on-one, you know, singles match, if that makes any sense. It definitely does. We get that answer a good amount of time. Now, wrestling in the South, if listeners and people in the business aren't aware, is different than wrestling in other parts of the country. The fans there can get more intense and more into the action than a lot of other places I've been to, for sure. Have you ever had any scary incidents involving the fans? The scariest I think I've ever had, and I wouldn't say if it was scary, but I'm going to use the word heated. Because obviously, like you said, where I wrestle in the South, you know, um, we like to use the term Memphis. Like, you know, it's kind of like that atmosphere, you know. These these folks, you know, they believe with all their heart and they want to believe. And I love that about the South. That I think that's one edge we have against anywhere else in the country. You know what I'm saying? They want good guys. They want bad guys. They want to cheer. They want to boo. But I was in um, wrestling for RWA in Maryville, Tennessee. And I had had a neck injury. And I had went and I made a big speech about how I was going to take time off and I was going to rehab my neck. I was going to have a surgery. And I was going to get back and I was going to be better than ever. And these people hated me, but they were cheering me, and I think I had people crying. You know, they wanted to see me get come back, you know, and fulfill my dreams. And then during the main event, it was Juicy Jimmy versus Larry Cooter. I came from the crowd, and I had a certificate in like a like a like a glass case, kind of like a picture frame. That's what it was. I had a certificate, and the certificate was for a match that I could have anywhere at any time against the champion. And I took this glass picture frame, and I busted it over Larry Cooter's head, and I took off my neck grease, cracked my neck, and laughed. And, you know, I was surprised. And these people hated me, hated me. You know, I almost got into a fight with two or three of the fans. You know, they, they were not happy. And uh, I, think, I think it could have gotten scary. You know, they had to force me to the back because, you know, I wasn't going to back down, and they were yelling all kinds of things. I actually believe that this old woman had a wooden spoon that she was about to come at me with. And Juicy Jimmy was like, Jacob, we got to get to the back. We got to get to the back. Now, I, I could stay there all night and get all that heat if I wanted to. I, I, I love that part about the business. That's why I love wrestling in the South. But to answer your question, I feel like that was probably the most heated, one of the most heated moments of my career. These people were just furious with me. I've been there for sure. No, I definitely can understand that. Now, you, when you were starting out, were pretty beloved, and you would often uh, tell people to get these biscuits, and you'd put the fist up as if they were biscuits. 
the fans seem to kind of gravitate towards that. How easy was it to get them to latch on to get these biscuits? It was the damnedest thing. I, you know, when I first started out, I was just trying to come up with anything, anything that's that stuck, you know, or stuck. I, uh, I had like twelve different catchphrases. I would, I would just yell anything I could, but some, for some reason, the, you know, come get these biscuits, just resonated with with people, and they'd start chanting it. You know, biscuits, biscuits. I would actually be in Walmart in my hometown, you know, just shopping and I'd be in the aisle and I would hear someone yell across from the store, biscuits, biscuits, you know. So I, I guess uh, it just resonated with people. Come get, you know, come get these biscuits. And it was, it was the craziest thing. And I look back on it with a lot of fond memories, you know, the, the biscuits and, you know, some, some fan art that people made of me and like in biscuits, biscuit cans with my picture on it and, it, uh, I still I still get that sometimes today, depending on where I wrestle or where I'm at. I'll, people yell biscuits at me, so I'm just glad I made an impression on people. And do fans ever bring you like a tray of biscuits? I wish, I wish they never have. I wish I would have I would have loved that so much. It would have it would have made my year probably. Someone brought a tray of biscuits to to a wrestling show to give to me. Now imagine the poor fan when they see you clobber a guy with the biscuit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that definitely it would definitely be coming if someone gave me a tray of biscuits, tossed them out to the crowd. I would have a blast. Now, so far you've wrestled in quite a few different places: uh, Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, probably a few others I'm missing. What? To this point, it's been the biggest crowd that you've seen. I had wrestled a Terry England show. Uh, I can't really remember where. It was in Tennessee, I think, maybe a year and a half ago. I wrestled in front of, I think it was, it was at an armory. And it was two, maybe 300 people. And I was wrestling uh, Little Hank. It was wild. They were, they were hating me. They were loving Little Hank. It was uh, it was incredible. I would say that was probably one of the biggest crowds I've ever wrestled in front of, and it was a pretty wild night, you know, to say the least. Now, in your career, I know you've been in matches where you have been chopped, and in that area where you wrestle, I can think of a lot of guys that are pretty heavy-handed when it comes to chopping people, who would you say has the hardest chop? Well, I'd have to think of this for a second. Um, hmm. Well, Omega. Omega, um, he wrestles for KEPW in Frankfort, Kentucky. And he has a hell of a chop. He'll blister your chest. And you know I, I'm kind of a physical guy anyway, so I kind of like that aspect. You know, uh, you know us throwing hands and chopping each other. But he had a really heavy chop. Um, he's one of them. Um, Larry D always had a pretty heavy chop. But honestly, 
I might say that Omega has the heavier chop. He, uh, we'd get done wrestling, and my chest would just look like hamburger meat. Just, like, almost purple from, like, nipple to nipple. Or this man would just chop my chest. I'm going to say Omega. I know Omega. I would definitely put him up there. I can definitely buy that. He's one of the hardest hitting wrestlers I've ever wrestled in my entire career. Yeah. I'm just glad he's never hit me to date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you work in the area where uh, Ox Harley has competed. Have you ever met Ox Harley? I think once briefly. I wouldn't say that I know him, know him, but I think I've had a conversation with him once or twice, you know, very, very briefly. But I've, I definitely have heard a lot about Ox Harley from a lot of the vets in the locker, locker room. And, you know, he's a very respected guy, and I can see why. He, uh, he seems like the type of guy that would demand respect. You know, I'm not saying he's, uh, you know, a mean guy, but, you know, he, he seems like a guy that wouldn't take any guff if you catch my drift. That's fairly accurate. I know Ox fairly well, and that, I believe, is accurate. Now, in the area, you say you come across Ox a couple of times, but there are a lot of wrestlers still active that came out of the old Memphis territory when it was still a full-time wrestling territory. You have guys like Doug Gilbert, and Flash Flanagan and Ox Harley, Jerry Lawler is still active to this day. Uh, so many guys that came out of there that are still making their way around the independent circuit. When you look at the longevity that they have had, have you picked up any tips from them on making sure your own career stays as long as what they've had so far? I always like running into those guys. I have a deep respect for those guys and how long they've done it. I really like running into Gary Valiant, the boogie woogie boy. He he's a type of guy like that, and I uh, I love having conversations with him. He's so full of knowledge, and I love running in and asking those guys questions. Not only for just the advice, but I love to hear their stories. Uh, I love to hear the road stories. I I like learning the tricks of the trade. And I think that only gets, you know, you better. I think young wrestlers should definitely go out of their way and try to get to know some of these guys and ask as many questions as you can from these guys. Because once they're gone, that knowledge is gone. You know, so I want to, I definitely believe that you should, you know, ask as many questions as you possibly can and learn as much from those types of guys, you know, as you possibly can. There's a lot to learn. For sure. Uh, One of the other guys that came out of Memphis is someone that was a mentor to a ton of people in the wrestling industry, not just in the South, but all over the country. We lost him uh, many months ago, which was a huge blow. I'm talking about Tracy Smothers. Before Tracy passed, did you get the chance to work very often with him and kind of pick his brain a little bit. 
I only met him once, and it was maybe my second week in the business. I don't even think I had a license in Kentucky yet, so I couldn't get in the ring. And it was actually at a seminar. He would come down to PCW, and he would do a seminar. I couldn't get in the ring because I didn't have a license. But they let me sit at ringside and take notes, and just I got to meet him and talk to him. And man, the knowledge this guy had, and you couldn't. I mean. He was one of the smartest guys that I've ever met when it comes to in the business kind of stuff. He, uh, and I know everyone has great things to say about Tracy Smothers. I, I just wish that I got to know him a little better or maybe even got the chance to work with him. But just the one, maybe two times that I've ran to him, he was such a pleasure. And he, he, he would just give anyone advice that would listen. I've got nothing but great things to say about Tracy Smothers. Absolutely is. Definitely missed by everyone that ever came across him. Now, in our business, one of the things that would often plague the industry from people looking at it on the outside, and it often did cause troubles within the inside of the business, was the use of drugs in wrestling, whether it was steroids or people that were on the road full-time seven days a week for months on end using recreational drugs just to get through the tour what have you, it at different times has plagued our industry. As someone that's out there now, from what you see, do you think that the business has largely cleaned up that problem? I am. Uh... I think it's a case-by-case scenario. Obviously, I think our business is very hard, especially the higher up you get in this business. The more you're on the road, the less you get to see your family, the more bumps you take, and guys just try to self-medicate. They try to, you know, just try to get to the next day, try to get this day over with, try to get this show over with because they're in so much pain. And, I, uh, you know, it's real easy to get hooked on a lot of bad stuff. And I've seen people that were drug addicts that aren't drug addicts and that put a lot of work in to change their lives. And I've also seen uh, some people suffer from that, you know, not only in wrestling but just in life. And I think they're, you know, a lot of people could – I is it a problem? No, I don't feel like it's as big of a problem as it could have been maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I know I wasn't around, so I can't speak personally for those years. But I think that, you, I mean, you watch documentaries like The Dark dark Side of the Ring, and guys like me can be like, you know, look at those stories and just try to make better decisions. You know, maybe, maybe try, you know, educate ourselves a little bit on these issues. Um, but I, I think that the business, it's a, it's a hard business to get into. And it's a hard business to be in, not only physically, but emotionally. And those patterns kind of lead to maybe some bad behavior. But I think, for for the most part, I would say to answer your question, I I think we have cleaned up a little bit. I think that, you know, from top to bottom, from um, the WWE, you know, to the, you know, the big leagues, to the independents, I think that in just general, you know, I, I I don't think it's maybe as big of a problem or maybe, you know, just from what I've seen. 
I think we have cleaned up a little bit, you know, and that's definitely a good sign. I think it's definitely good for the business. I think it's good for the boys. Just across the board, I think it's a better place. I don't know if you've done a lot of research on history and wrestling, but one of the things in decades past that was part of the business was the wrestling industry used to have what was called ring rats by the wrestlers, and a lot of fans today in the Internet age aren't aware of what the ring rats really did. They were used by the wrestlers basically to do errands for them that they couldn't do as they were traveling. So they would have ring rats that would do the laundry, cook the meals, uh, let them sleep at their house, that type of thing. It kind of got distorted is what they truly were as we got to the Internet age and people didn't fully grasp what they were. From the circuit that you're on there in the south, do you still see some of that traditional ring rat usage by wrestlers where they have uh, basically fans that will do the errands that they need to do and have them ready when they get to a town or before they leave a town? I, uh, I've seen some pretty dedicated fans. But to be honest with you, I don't see a whole lot of ring rats. I don't know if it's just maybe I'm not looking in the right place or maybe I'm just not focused on that aspect of the business. But I I don't see a whole lot of ring rats. You know, I well, I see a lot of guys. I see, uh, you, you know, like when you hear about like the 80s wrestlers and how they go out and they go to bars and they bring girls back to their hotel rooms and the ring rat stories. I don't see a whole lot of that. I see a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'll see wrestlers bring their wives and girlfriends around. That's different. I don't see a whole lot of ring rat business going around. You know, maybe I'm just not lucky hard enough. It's definitely a different industry, so it's not out there like it used to be. And like I said, a lot of people don't fully understand what a ring rat actually was, so I don't think they're as common anymore. But now we're on the part of the show where we have a game we like to play. We call it Bring On to Choice, Bring On to Funk. I'll ask you a series of two options, and whichever one is just your personal preference is the answer. Are you prepared for some bring on to choice, bring on to funk? Well, let's bring it on. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Drop kick or super kick? I'm going old-fashioned drop kick. Pinfall or submission? Submission, all the way. Ring of Honor or Impact Wrestling? Ring of Honor without hesitation. Oatmeal or grits? Oatmeal. Vanilla or strawberry? Strawberry. Toyota or Volkswagen? Toyota. Tights or trunks? Trunks. Jimmy Uso or Jimmy Snooker? Jimmy Snooker. Chain match or strap match? Strap match. 
All right. Well, that concludes that particular game. Well, speaking of impact, your initial trainer, of course, Larry D., went to Impact Wrestling and was on national TV for a while. From being trained by Larry D., and being able to say that you were trained by a guy that had national exposure, do you find that it's easier for you to get booked into places that may not be as familiar with you based on that, or do you think it hurts possibly having uh, somebody from Impact and you're trying to maybe coast in on that name? I think in a way it might legitimize me. But at the same time, I never really advertised myself as a Larry D guy. And it's nothing personal, but I always wanted to be looked at as my own guy. I didn't want me to be, this is Larry D's trainee. I wanted to be looked at as Jacob Ratliff, the professional wrestler. So if someone asked, I would bring it up. But, I, and you know, it wasn't just Larry D that trained me. There was a whole team of guys, a whole crew of guys in that cat really helped me. Yes, Larry D, but guys like Ronnie Roberts, um, Brandon Taggart, Bishop Blake, uh, Austin Tyler Morris, and if I'm forgetting anybody, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but there was a whole team of guys that, you know, helped train me. And I always try to – it's not really something I advertise. Like, I, I'm, I don't consider myself a Larry D guy. I just came from his academy, and – you know, I'm not saying he hasn't had an impact on my career, no pun intended, you know, because obviously he has. But I've never been – if someone asks me, I'll tell them straight up. That's not something I advertise. I'd much rather, um, you, you know, if I get booked, and I'd rather a promoter to book me because they've seen the kind of match I can have. They can see my promo work. They can see my character work, and they're like, this guy can get heat. I like this guy. I want to book No Good Jacob Ratliff because I like No Good Jacob Ratliff. I don't want to be the guy that is booked because that that guy was trained by Larry D. And I don't know. I just – I want it to be less about Larry D, more about Jacob Ratliff. I respect Larry D, and obviously he made it to the next level. And he's a very hardworking man. And, you know, he, he he has worked hard and put time into this business. So it's not anything anti-Larry D. I want to preference that it's not an anti-Larry D thing. It's a Jacob Ratliff thing. Am I making any sense here? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And that was a good group of guys that you had to train. I know all of them. I've worked with all of them. And that was a fantastic list that you had there. So you have a good pedigree as far as trainers now at this point Mike O's the coach with the most coach Mike Jones is standing by I know coach has questions for you so I'm going to pass things over to him hey Jacob how you doing I'm doing pretty good how about you I'm doing good here in the northwest beautiful day Al thanks for coming on man oh no problem thank you for letting me come on it's an absolute pleasure so, yeah, I see you got uh, Nick Nasty's your manager. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. 
I've known Nick Nasty since I was maybe five or six years old. And here's the funny little inside story. Nick Nasty was best friends with my uncle, and they were actually in a band together called Negative 77. And Nick does music. He's really good with music. He's a musician. He has his own record label, Skullface Records. So I've known him my entire life. I used to mow that man's yard every Saturday. I would go to his house. I'd mow his yard, and we'd have a conversation on the wrestling news of that day. So I've known him. I, he would go and watch uh, Ring of Honor shows with my dad and my uncle. He's a longtime family friend. I've known Nick Nasty way before I got in the wrestling business or he got in the wrestling business. And it kind of just worked out that he ended up becoming my manager for a little bit. And we just connected, and we had so much, you know, because we'd known each other forever. He'd known me since I was a little kid. So we had so much chemistry, and we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Right on. Yeah, and he looks like he can hold his own also. Oh, yeah. He's a tough guy. He's a manager you would not want to mess with, I tell you. Okay. So who were some of your heroes growing up, whether it was uh, wrestling, sports, music, or ordinary life? Okay. Well, my heroes, if we're talking in a wrestling sense, I always really looked up to Tommy Dreamer. I looked up to guys like Sting. I uh, Guys like Brian Danielson, I always had a lot of respect for. Roderick Strong. And outside of wrestling, hmm, if I could think about this for a second, I, uh, Billy Corgan is one of them. I really like Billy Corgan. Uh, I love the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, the band. He owned the NWA, and when he bought the NWA, I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. And how this guy, if you listen to him in interviews, he is who he is. He, he's, he's a little bit of a weird guy. I'm a little bit of a weird guy, so I kind of related to him. And he just, he loved music, and he loved wrestling, and he wasn't afraid to admit it. And he wasn't afraid to get involved in it. So outside of wrestling, I'd go Billy Corgan. In wrestling, like guys I said, uh, Brian Danielson uh, is one of them. Tommy Dreamer, uh, Sting, you know, guys like that. Have you got to meet any of them? I haven't got to meet any of those guys on my list of heroes. I haven't, not yet. I, I think one day I will. I think that. I think I will meet those guys, and I think it'll be a great day when I do. Okay. And then what are some of the most memorable matches you've seen or been involved with? Um, when uh, If I could break this into two categories. Some of the best matches I've seen as a fan uh, growing up, I remember my first WrestleMania. It was a big deal. It was uh, The Miz and John Cena were main eventing. But on that card... Cody Rhodes wrestled Rey Mysterio. And as a kid, I absolutely loved this match. Thought it was spectacular. One of my favorites. And I've also, as far as favorite matches, I really like uh, the tag match with Mick Foley and Edge versus Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. I thought that match was spectacular. Um, Ric Flair and Sting. Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Um, As a fan, Growing up, I loved to go back and watch those matches because I thought they were just spectacular. As far as um, to answer your question, the ones that I've been involved with, I guess the best matches, you know, involving me, I really loved my feud with Omega. I know I put him over earlier for having the hardest chops, 
And he, he did. He chopped the hell out of me. Chopped me black and blue and purple. But I always loved wrestling Omega because it's just somebody that I could just let loose and hit as hard as I want, and he could hit me as hard as he wanted, and we would just go at it. Um, I always I really enjoyed wrestling him. Anytime I stepped in the ring with Adrian Alexander, even tag came in or against each other, or we always have a hell of a time. Um, so, so I would say guys like that, you know, um, Victor Vargas, <laughs> always for Vargas. He was always a hell of a wrestler. All right. And then did you play sports in high school or growing up? Um, I was an amateur wrestler um, in eighth grade and my senior year of high school. So I know that was a pretty big gap, but I'd wrestled in high school and um, here in town. And uh, I know this is going to sound a little goofy. We, uh, <laughs> we had a local fight club that teenagers would go and they would meet at a park or something and they would fight each other. We would fight each other pretty much backyard MMA and videotape it. I know that's probably not really considered, a, you know, being on a sports team, but that was something that was a big part of me growing up. Um, it's where uh, I learned to take a punch. It's where, uh, you know, I learned how to be physical. And I think it really did help me in my transition to pro wrestling. As silly as it sounds, as dumb as it was for me being a teenager to go and fight other teenagers in backyards and at parks and at barns, I think it really helps me. Okay. And then that was my next question was what what's your self defense background? Um amateur wrestling, I'd done um the fight club stuff and I've went and I've been a part of a couple MMA gyms. One of them closed down because of COVID. One of them, I don't think, could afford to stay open um, any longer, so they shut down. But I always liked learning martial arts. They're just trying to bring something from that world to my world. So I would go, and I had friends that were state champion wrestlers that I would grapple with. I would I would box with really great boxers. Uh, I would go, and I would take a jiu-jitsu class and just learn anything I possibly could to to legitimize myself. And to make sure that, you know, not only could I bring stuff like that to the ring, but maybe you can open up doors to other adventures. You know, I'd love to, you know, before I get too old, you know, before I'm an old man, to go and do a jiu-jitsu tournament. Maybe one of these days, I don't know, uh, crazier stuff has happened. Maybe I could go and step into the octagon and have an MMA fight. Maybe, um, you know, just for self-defense reasons, too. You know, if some fan gets out of hand, you know, if... Uh, something happens you know in public i have to take care of it i feel like i'm capable of taking care of it you know i'd I'd hate to have to do that to somebody but i can't self-defense if i have to you you know what i'm saying yeah of course it's always good to have so who are some of your favorite people to work my favorite people to work uh hmm, i'll have to think on this um Ronnie Roberts was one of them. I always, I never had a bad match with Ronnie Roberts ever in my career. Um, I Omega definitely. I know. I just keep talking about Omega, but he's probably my favorite opponent I've ever had. Um, I loved working. I worked a match with Shane Mako in Alabama. I think my second year in uh, for New Era Wrestling for Bubba Cagle. 
and we had a hell of a match. I'd love to wrestle that guy again. Um, I, I okay. really like uh, I really like wrestling Marty Clay too. I wrestled Marty Clay about a month or two ago. I don't know if you're aware of him, but he's a, a really good wrestler. And I would uh, I'd love to step in the ring with him again. And I know I've, I've listed like six people here or more. Adrian Alexander, I think he's a fine professional wrestler, and any time I'm involved with him, it's usually gold. Okay, cool. And then we have a couple questions. One of them is our standard question. Sign guy would like to know what your favorite coffee to drink is. I'm not a big coffee drinker. But I tell you what, Speedway has like this iced coffee that's only for like a dollar, and you know, you can't, you can't, you can't beat that Speedway coffee. Speedway iced coffee, delicious. And I where would do argue you get that it? It's just as good as Speed at Speedway. At Speedway. Oh, okay. That that's the name of the store. Yeah, Speedway, the gas station. Okay. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, we have, I haven't I've heard, heard one of the, heard of one of those. We have all kinds of yeah. them down here. Actually, I think okay. that Speedway, I just heard the other day, got bought out by 7-Eleven. So I think they're all going to be 7-Eleven now. I hope they keep their coffee because it's delicious. Okay, yeah, we do got 7-Elevens. And then, geez, a bunch of 7-Elevens around here are closing down from <laughs> crime and stuff. What? I haven't heard that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that sounds awful. Yeah. It's not that bad everywhere, but certain places. Okay, and then I've got another question from a longtime fan, Kurt Ferris. He wants to know, is Jacob Ratliff a fan of the band Rat? Rat? No, I am not. Okay. All right. uh, as, As far as music? I'm more of a grunge guy, so I, you know, I like Pearl Jam. I like uh, the Stone Temple Pilots. I like a lot of pop punk. I like bands like that. I'm not a, a Rat fan. Uh, okay. I don't know. All right, and then uh, let me see. Who are some of your toughest opponents that you faced? Um, toughest opponents I've Ever, Kerry Alton. Kerry Alton is one of the toughest men I've, I've ever met in the wrestling business. Man, um, geez, he gave me a discus punch one time. As soon as he hit me, bam, my lights were out for like a second. I'm looking at the rest, and the rest is like, are you are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. This guy beat me from post to post. I think at one point he had me in the corner, ran from all the way across the ring jumped up kicked me right straight in the jaw i got video of it somewhere man that was one of the most brutal matches i ever had i love i love carry off though i'd love to wrestle him again was we we had a hell of a match and you know i'm not afraid to, to throw hands if need be and obviously he's not either and i think there's more on the table there um i think guys like omega um larry d um Guys, guys like that, but I would say my number one guy, Carry Off. Okay. And then what suggestions do you have for people wanting to get into the business? My suggestion would be go and find somebody 
that uh, that's serious about the business because a lot of guys are just going to take your money. I've seen a lot of it. They're just going to go take your money. You're going to do a couple bumps. They're going to send you on your road packing. But go and do your research. Find someone that is credible and someone that knows what they're talking about. Go to shows and help put up chairs. Talk with somebody. Talk to somebody. Because a lot of these promotions, they're looking for guys to train, looking for new faces to get out there, not only for their business, but for just wrestling as a whole. They want to train dudes for the next generation. So they're already looking. So maybe go and help, you know, set up some chairs, help put up some flyers, and, and just talk to somebody. Find somebody that's credible and knows what they're talking about. Ask them about it. Ask them, you know, how much is it going to be? Um, see if you can make a, a payment plan and, and, you know, get trained and be serious about it. Be dedicated about it. Try try to any time that you can get in the ring, go and get in it and just learn from anybody. That's from, like, your coach, from any of the wrestlers, from the refs, the ring announcers, anybody. If they can just give you a small nugget of information, it can help you. That would be my suggestion. That's some awesome uh, advice. Appreciate it. And then what what are some schools that you recommend? Schools? Um, Kerry Awful runs a pretty good school. Um, he he runs a – I wish I had more information about it, but Kerry Awful, he has trained some really great professional wrestlers. Um, RWA, they'll, they'll train you down there in Maryville, Tennessee. Um, Larry Cooter, he'll train you. They'll, they'll train you. Um, as far as where I'm from, Kentucky, um, Larry has an academy. Larry D. You could, you could go in a train with Larry D. But guys like Kerry Awful run a really great wrestling promotion. And a lot of times, just even going to like your local show, some of those guys, you know, the, the really good local shows, you know, they, they could probably help you steer you in the right direction and give you a good school. A lot of times, all you got to do is ask or do some research. Um, OVW, they, they, they do a great job training people, obviously. That'd be a great one to go to. Um, Tom Pritchard School, amazing. It is amazing. They they train absolute studs. I've, I've got to meet a couple guys trained by, by, by Tom Pritchard School, and they are fantastic. I can't put them over enough. All right. Awesome, man. Hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. And I wish you all the luck in the world, brother. I'm sure sign guys got some more. Okay. I uh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me come on. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, anytime you need me come on, I will gladly come on. I've had a blast. Thank you. Absolutely. You're definitely always welcome here. Uh, before we wrap up, though, if there's anything you want to say to the listeners today, plug and promote anything you want, social medias, merchandise, events, your favorite laundromat, anything at all, floor is yours. If I could just, anyone that's listening right now, anyone that has never seen me wrestle, this is the first time they're hearing me speak, I want you to know that you will hear the name Jacob Ratliff. A lot more in the future. I'm busting my ass every day. I'm sorry if you can't cuss. I'm busting my can every day to try to get better. I am networking. I'm in getting in better shape. I've been working on my grappling. I've been working on my hands. You can sit me in the ring with anybody. I will knock them out or I will tap them out. I am just as bad as anyone else 
that steps in that ring. I am just as legit as anyone else that steps in that ring. And you will know the name, Jacob Rattler. I will I will get better. I will keep getting better. You're going to hear my name. Like it or not, Jacob Rattler, remember it. Well, Jacob Rattler, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. We definitely appreciate you taking time to be with us. Name of the school, if people were looking to check out Carrie Awful School, it is the Crux Wrestling School. Crux. Yeah, Crux. I'm, I'm telling you, I cannot put them over enough. Carrie Awful is a fantastic wrestler, one of the smartest guys in the business, and he will train you. He, he's a wonderful trainer. I recommend Crux 100%. I would as well, and I'll also throw in, he did questionable things to my leg when he wrestled as a dog. <laughs> it sounds like Harry. Yeah, yeah, there's that. But, Jacob, thank you again for being here today. I know you're no good, Jacob Rowlett, but I think you're fantastic, and I look forward to crossing paths in the future and keeping an eye on your career as it progresses. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys for giving me the time to, to speak with y'all. And uh, I just want you all to stay classy. Catch you on the flip. All right. There we go. Jacob Bratliff, everybody. If you've not seen him, definitely go out of your way to remedy that, be it at the local arenas or on the YouTubes. He's a great young talent, very entertaining, does a great job out there. Coach, have we some things to say, plug, or promote? Yeah. For one, I didn't hear how, how people get a hold of Jacob Ratcliffe. I, uh, you can find me on Facebook, um, Jacob Ratliff. You can find me on Instagram, the Jacob Ratliff. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I don't use it a lot. But it's probably also just Jacob Ratliff. I try to keep it simple, you know, easy to find me. You Google me, Instagram me. Twitter me, uh, Facebook me, uh, MySpace me, I guess, if you still have that. Um, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, if you want to see what I'm doing, my social media, simple, Jacob Bradley. All right, nice. Yeah, so, yeah, people can get a hold of me at Coach Mike Jones, the coach of the most. Also, Coach Mike Jones on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army and the NGW Green Room for interviews from people all over the world. Also, the Seattle Mariners Organizational Report and Cincinnati Reds Organizational Report on YouTube and my podcast coming up tomorrow at noon Pacific time, the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast. Tomorrow, I'll be having the baseball reports on the Mariners and the Reds trades and the trade deadline in the second half of the season and our up-and-coming series versus the Angels. So we're looking ex- looking good. Our players are coming back. And, you know, I'm even excited for the Reds. They got a good deal on the Castillo trade, don't you think, Sign? Time will tell. We'll see where Castanolis goes with it. But they're up to third place. Yeah, and uh, Novelli Marte hit a grand slam on his first at-bat for the Reds minor league organization. That he did. Now, Coach, are you looking forward to Thursday? I'm guessing you're hugely excited for Thursday. The field of dreams, baby. If you build it, they will come. 
Absolutely. Reds in Chicago this year for the Field of Dreams game. And you hate Chicago. With a passion. And the Mets. With an even added passion. Wow. Yeah, I know I know firsthand the whole Mets situation, yes. Absolutely. Well And then tomorrow tomorrow you're at Wrestle Club. I'm at Wrestle Club tomorrow. I will be leading a seminar before the show, so if you're in the Caldwell, Idaho area and you're in the professional wrestling business, come check that out. No charge for it. Just trying to help some of the newer kids out or some of the guys that have been around that might need a few pointers that I've picked up over the years. And then Russell Club will be performing at the church there in Caldwell. You get dinner and a wrestling show. They are providing food tomorrow. How often do you hear of that? Not very often. So make sure you tune in for more details on that if you're in that area where you plan to be. And then coming up for us on Sunday afternoon, we kick off Beast Month, scheduled to appear first for Beast Month. We have Mr. Beast. He is actually a former NBA player. He was the sixth ever Puerto Rican born player to be drafted. Got out of professional basketball in the last couple of years and has been tearing it up in the wrestling scene down there in Puerto Rico. We're excited to have him. And then one week from this very day, we will be back with you. And we have Andrew Sowell, who wrestles out of Salt Lake City, but he's been all over the western third of the country. Great performer. Veteran talent. We'll be talking to him. You can find me on the Book of Faces, the Twitters, the Grams. You can follow Chicken Bob on all of those, but not literally because that's creepy. And we will talk to everybody soon. Stay safe out there. Support your local independent wrestling if you have some near you. And we'll talk to you soon.
Turn up back my jacket, we can't let go and hit the floor and dance. 